if we are to be the architects of our own lives, if we are indeed building this house that we call our life, if uh, board by board and uh, paint stroke by paint stroke, we are in charge, how do we make sure that we haven't built things upon a pile of sand? How do we understand and create this thing called a life in such a way that come rain, come shine, come whatever, we're solidly here. Our lives are running the way we want them to. The, the hearts and desires, the, the hopes and the dreams that we have begin coming true in reality. How can we make sure that that's true? You know, we've been working with this book called A New Design for Living that Ernest Holmes wrote near the end of his career. And, uh, and it's absolutely about, on purpose, being the designers of our own reality. Really embracing the things that we know we want, the things that we know that we deserve. Really being able to hone in on what it is we do want and knowing without question that it is ours to have. So last week in particular we talked about, so how do we implement this new design for a living? How do we begin cultivating the thoughts, the ideas? You know, how do we begin this process of, of making sure that that which we wish to see, that which we wish to have show up in our lives, is really there? And I want to continue with this idea of the building metaphor a little bit more today. And the first question that I have to ask us is, if we're the architect, I suspect that we're also, what, the foreperson and we're also the construction workers. I suspect we're the ones that have to lay the concrete, that we're the ones that have to do the painting, that the whole nine yards of this construction project that is our lives, we're responsible for. And so I think it's a good idea then to get familiar with who we are. And so my initial question is, who am I? Who is each one of us? And, and I actually managed to find a joke that asked that very question. You knew it was in there somewhere. All right. It was the final examination for an introductory college course in biology. And like many such freshman courses, sadly, it was designed to weed out students. And it had over 500 kids in the class. Now the examination, this final examination, took two hours long, and the professor was very strict. He told everyone to begin. Half an hour into the exam, another student came rushing in and asked the professor for an exam booklet. You're late. You won't have time to finish this, the instructor said. Yes, I will, replied the student. So he took a seat and began writing his exam. Now after two hours, the professor called for the exams and the students handed them in. Well, all that is, except for the fellow who came in late, still working on his. And a half hour later, the last student finished and attempted to put his exam on the stack of the other 499 in front of the professor. No, you don't. I'm not going to take that late. The student was angry. Do you even know who I am, he asked. Well, no, as a matter of fact, I don't, replied the professor with an air of sarcasm. So you're sure you don't even know who I am? The student asked again. No, and I don't care, said the professor. Fine, replied the student. He just opened the stack of papers up, stuck his in the middle, and <laughs> off he went. <laughs> so my question is, do, do you know who you are? Do you know yourself well enough to avoid getting trapped in situations just like that. 
Do you know yourselves well enough that if you're doing this new design for a living, that you're not going to design a life just like the one you already have that's full of its issues and its problems? Are we sure that we're going to be able to muster the, the new thoughts, the new emotions, the new ways of being that will allow you to actually step into a new construction, something that's brand new for you, a new way of being that's more full of love, more full of abundance, and more full of joy. We know it's possible, but what's going to keep us, right? We're, we were the architects of the lives we have right now. That Do you see the, the conundrum here? Why do I think that I can do something different this time around? Well, first of all, back to our metaphor of building. Let's take a look at the whole crew that you have at your disposal. First of all, we've already been talking about the architect. That is that higher wisdom self in you that has that high picture, that, that high vision of what you want. That's the part of you that always knows what I really want is more love. What I really want is to feel you know, more special. What I really want is that sense of freedom and abundance. That's your kind of your higher wisdom self that's that overseer, that architect that knows the blueprint for what you really want in that most grand and beautiful scale. Next, I suggest that we also have kind of a four-person. There's also that, that idea generator, that thinker that is part of us, and that's kind of like the four-person, right? If the big picture is, I want more love in my life, then the four-person is the one generating the ideas about love, right? He, Larry wants more love, so let's have some ideas of relationships. Let's have some ideas of time with family. Let's have some ideas of what love would look like. Next up, we have, and I think this person is on equal footing with the four person, and you can kind of think of it as, uh, as either the, the producer or, or whatever you want of this effort, but it's your emotional self. And hand in hand with the four person, you want to be able to exude also a feeling of what you want, that feeling of love, that sense of beauty, that, that, uh, that luxury feeling that comes with having all that you need in the world. And I think that goes hand in hand with that four-person, with the ideas. So between our mind-generating ideas, and you might think of it as our heart generating our, our sense of, of feeling about what we want, those are kind of the two people here in charge. But under that, as with any kind of a building construction, right, you have carpenters, you have painters, you have plasterers, and all of those people we can think of as kind of the doingness, right? There's our thoughts and our emotions, but then, right, we're going to put stuff into motion. And it is with motion, of course, that we back up our ideas with the choices we make, the people that we surround ourselves with. Even our physical environment you can think of as the building materials here, Right? If you want to build a beautiful new existence full of love and light, what if the materials that you're working with kind of look a little bit not like love and life? What if you hate your job and every time you go to work you're just full of anxiety and then, and then you come home to maybe a family situation where there's arguing? I would suggest we need to look also at our environment and what's been built so far. Can you build a brand new existence, if you will, with all of the trappings, with everything just exactly the way it was before? Probably not. 
it would tend to lead you to build the same thing again, wouldn't it? If all the materials were the same, if all the thoughts were the same, if even your emotions were mixed about it, it's like, you know, to heck with that blueprint of the beautiful life. If I do everything the same, if I show up the same, if I have the same thoughts, I'm going to build the same thing again. And how often has that also been our experience? When we set upon something brand new, maybe a new relationship, and we think, well, it's going to be different this time. This time, this relationship is going to really be full of love. Or maybe it's a a new business venture. You know, this time, this job, I'm really going to be successful. But the trouble was, it, it just kind of left off with your higher wisdom self, and you employed all the same laborers. Do you know what I mean? You employed all the same thoughts and ideas and emotions and building materials, and lo and behold, these people have been very good at building for you. They got you right where you are. And so I want to suggest, if left unattended, no matter how the design for your life has changed, If left unattended, your thoughts and your emotions and your doingness, your choices, are going to build you the same darn thing again. So today, it may not be the most pleasant talk, but we're going to talk about the chain of command in your own head. Now, I said that the architect was your higher wisdom self. That's the one that did the blueprints. That's the one that knows pretty clearly what love would look like for you, what joy would look like for you, what peace would look like for you, what abundance, and so on. That's your higher wisdom self. Below that person you might think of, working for them, is your mind. How many of us are fully in control of what we think every day? Yeah, there's a little problem with that. But I want to suggest to you that it's possible. Now, maybe not every little thing, and certainly not to start out with, but honestly, our higher wisdom self, that God center in us, is in charge. And if it exerts its will, if it exerts its knowledge of what is good for you, you can to begin to rein in your thoughts. Otherwise, the builder just is at work creating a house and like, well, the blueprints are still in the truck. Do you know what I mean? And absolutely, you're going to get a house just like the last one. And the same thing with your emotional component. If you let your emotions run your life, The same thing with spurious thoughts. You're going to be pulled over to this crisis and then pulled over to this crisis, and after a while, guess what's causing the crisis (laughs) themselves, right? It's your thoughts and your emotions just zooming off into into Neverland. We need to exercise this chain of command. We need to not make the same choices over and over again. We not, need to not have the same emotional reactions over and over again. We need to have different thoughts that will help focus the energy on this new blueprint for what you want. And, and, and I'll use a, a, a simple example maybe of how this can go wrong. I remember when I was in high school, um, I went for driver's ed, 
And uh, one of my final driving ed experiences was, okay, we're ready for the highway now. <laughs> and so we took the six-mile trip on the highway from Newport, Oregon to Toledo, Oregon. Now this was, I mean, I know it doesn't sound like much to anyone who probably learned how to drive in the city, but, but for me, <laughs> down in Newport, Oregon, this was a big thing. This was like a graduation thing. So very excited. We got into to Toledo, and what I found was a couple things. We went there once so he could teach me how to park on a hill, which we'll get into that some other day. That didn't go too well. But the other thing is he wanted to make sure that I observed all of the railroad stopping and crossing things, because Toledo was a company town with lots of sawdust and chip trucks um, and, and little railways running around, and he drove us right through the paper plant. So every so often there'd be another railroad crossing and blah, blah, blah. Well, it was like out of a Bugs Bunny cartoon. We came up to a railroad crossing, and sure enough, the little clang, clang, clangs, and the arms go down, and I'm noticing there's a car on the other side of the barrier. And there's this Jeep and this kid, probably not much older than me, just out wandering around. Well, both the barriers are down. He's like on the train tracks, or, very, or nearly on the train tracks. And I'm kind of like deer in the headlights kind of thing, like, what's going to happen now? And the, the kid was too. He was kind of like, well, um, gee, this could be a problem. And sort of there was this pause until the whistle blew. And the train blew a whistle, you know, a ways off. And suddenly I saw the terror in his face. It like took that, that emotional kind of hearing the whistle to see the terror take place. And then very quickly, within a matter of seconds, that kid was in his Jeep and pulled clear back up against the barricade. And so we could see that the train would actually, even though he was on the wrong side, the train would still be able to get by. There was enough room. And so, you know, big sigh of relief. But you know... How often do we let our emotional selves ring that whistle and pull us off track? Now, this was a good example, right? It's nice that our emotions have some autonomy now and then. That's what probably saved that kid, or at least his truck. But how often do our emotional selves or our doingness in the world completely pull us off course, right? It's like we hear the alarm bell and we jump and suddenly all thoughts of a better life are out the window because it's like emergency time. And how often are they not even real emergencies? How often when our emotions tug us in the way of sadness or crisis or something like that, how often is it really not much of anything? And how long are we pulled away? How long are we missing our goal of knowing what's true for us? How long do we miss that true picture of what's real for us while we're putting out the fire or reacting in great alarm to something that's a heap of nothing? Chain of command. Your higher wisdom self is in charge of your life. If you want a life that has more abundance in it, if you want a life that has more love in it, if you want a life that's more peaceful in your family arrangements, if you want a life of joy, friends, you have to take control of that. Your higher wisdom self, the part of you that know what God intends for you in terms of love, 
in terms of joy, in terms of those highest things, God doesn't have a plan for the details. That's up to us. But what I do know is the joy, the love, the peace, the abundance of the universe, that is in the plan for you if you can accept it. And if you exert your higher wisdom self to rein in the contractors and the subcontractors, your, your thoughts and your emotions and your doingness, your choices in the world, if you can bring those under the awareness of and really having them follow your higher wisdom self, you will be in great shape. Ernest Holmes calls this nothing more complicated than the law of attraction. He says that it is the firmness with which at the cause phase we stick to our guns that the, that the, the parts of our life subservient to it will fall into course. It's like the cause is us knowing peace and love and joy. And the effect is it will bring into alignment, we will attract into our lives those things that we hold with some conviction in our, in our mind and in that higher wisdom self. And it's no more complicated than that. If you have clarity in your mind always about what you want and know it to be true in your heart, really know that you can have it and that you're going to accept it, whether it be a, a great job or, or whether it be a loving relationship. Know what it is, accept it with firmness in your heart, and that will attract to you all of the stuff that you need. It will attract to you the right thoughts to have, to bring that thing into a greater awareness. It will attract to you the right emotions so that you can be expressing love, you can be expressing a feeling of opulence or joy. It will bring into your, your um, field of awareness the decisions you're making that will bolster it up. But what happens if the foreman and the architect just go away? What happens if our higher wisdom self decides that Tahiti is nice this time of year and just gets on a boat for a while? Now, we all have moments of that, right? I mean, I, I enjoy watching Harry Potter as much as the next person, and a little bit of escapism is totally fun. It's totally fun. But are we absent from our lives on a grander scale? Have we checked out a little bit too much so that what happens is the same old house gets built over and over again. The same old relationships happen over and over again. The, the same old bad jobs, right? right? How, how many times do we blame the boss for how messed up our life is before we realize, well, you know, that boss messed up my life, and 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 what was the same through all of those bosses? Yeah. So let's take one final look at the chain of command. And I want to do that by, um, by way of a little bit of a homework assignment, if you're willing. I want you to take some area in your life that maybe hasn't gone the way you would like it to. 
Just, just pick one. Maybe it's a relationship with a, um, a family member that's on a little shaky or rocky ground. Or maybe it's uh, your work life. Maybe your, um, um, what's going on at work is full of, um, uh, of anger or resentment. Or, or maybe it's just uh, something really simple like your financial arrangements. Pick an area in your life that isn't going quite the way you like it to, and let's look up the chain of command. First of all, are you making decisions that are absolutely good and wholesome given what you want? Now, this is a really basic one. Um, you know, I've uh, been in a 12-step program now for um, almost 19 years, I'm proud to say. And I got to tell you, if I was still making choices to hang out in bars, if I was still making choices around drinking, I wouldn't be up here today. Do you know what I mean? Our choices have to be in alignment with what that top goal is. All right, then let's back it up one more and take a look at our emotional impact. Are your emotions in line with that goal that you want to have? Because if your goal is joy and your emotions tend towards sadness and loneliness, we have a disconnect here. We have to begin to being able to have the emotions that match what we want to see in the world. And I know there's the tendency to think it works the other way. I'm going to wait to be happy until everything looks happy around me. And I've got to tell you, it isn't going to happen. You have to work on beginning to feel loved first. You have to work at beginning to actually feel the harmony and the compassion that you want to experience yourself. You have to own up to even the feelings first, and then it will happen. And then we look up the chain one more, and I would say, then what are your thoughts on this subject? If you want to have more love in your life, if you want to have more compassion in your life, and your thoughts are of anger and resentment to someone you're living with or a boss or something like that, I'm like, uh-uh. You're giving the whole crew mixed signals. On the one hand, you're saying love and life. And on the other hand, right, as soon as your higher wisdom self checks out for five minutes, the workers are getting the message, well, except, you know, he's really angry at this person and, and he really doesn't like hanging out with that person. So he says love and harmony, but the reality is, uh, you know, we'll build the house the old way because <laughs> we're getting mixed messages. This might sound arduous, but I want you to just give it a try this week. So your homework, kind of simple, I think, I hope. Find an area in your life that isn't working the way you'd like it to, and then look up that chain of command. Are you in alignment with what you really want in terms of your choices, the external world? Are you in your heart, your emotional makeup? And are you in your head? Are your thoughts in alignment with what you really want? Or are they in alignment with what you're afraid might happen? Okay, so take a look at that. I'm going to close today with a quote and a prayer. And this quote really is an affirmation of your power. Because what I know is the most important part of you and the most powerful part of you is that higher wisdom self. It is the top of that chain of command I talked about. It always is. The only time that it isn't is when you give the other parts of your mind and your heart and your actions free reign. And so by using just a little more conscious control, by ordering your thoughts a little more, by owning up that you have control over your emotions and your choices, by taking just this much more 
control back to your higher wisdom self, you will have an outstanding effect in your life. Because truly then you'll be changing the cause so that the effect can be what you want. So here's what Ernest Holmes has to say about this whole thing. He says, the only way to become the kind of person we want to be, to live the kind of life that we really want to live, is first to be that person in our thoughts and emotions. To live this kind of life that we want in our minds and our hearts first with unwavering conviction. Then the law of attraction will take care of the rest. Let us pray. There is one heart, there is one life, there is one God. And what I know about God is it is every person's fondest desire. This is a God of love, of joy, of peace. It is a God of abundance and happiness. It is a God of beauty and joy. This, this is God. This is that highest picture of God as all good. And because God is everywhere present, I know that means me. I know it means the people in this room. I know that God's bounty, whether it be love, whether it be joy, whether it be peace, is available for all of us. And I also know for each person in this room that there is an increasing willingness to look at what we're attracting in our lives, to look up that chain of command and see whether our thoughts and emotions, our actions and choices are in alignment with what we truly want to experience. I know for each person here there is that ability to absolutely change our thinking, to have an effect on our feelings, to make new choices that will satisfy our desire for a new life. And so for each person here, I acknowledge and bless that higher wisdom self that is in each one of us, truly with a new design for living, to build this life to be the best life we could ever want. I'm simply grateful for this awareness, grateful to accept and receive the absolute certainty with which we can move forward in our plans for a wonderful life. I just let it be, and so it is. Thank you very much for being here today. Thank you. Thank you.